Welcome to the Indestructible Wealth Podcast. This is the place where we help young entrepreneurs and professionals to make, keep, and grow wealth that you can enjoy now and for years to come. I'm your host, Jack Gibson, a serial entrepreneur, founder of multiple seven and eight figure businesses and wealth building strategist. Each week, I'm gonna share my tips, resources, and secrets to help you create a plan and build the life you've dreamed of. Welcome back to the Indestructible Wealth Show. And I have, I can't call you a special guest anymore. You're almost like my podcast partner, Jeff Shecky Schechter, my longtime real estate partner. And today we're going to dive into a how we built this episode so that you guys can see from the beginnings of the company that we started back in 2016, where we're at today, how we've kind of morphed and evolved and some of the new offerings that we have available to investors. And we're going to dive into the history of a lot of the struggles and challenges that we had to build and go through to, you know, achieve some, well, pretty good success today. I mean, we just closed a $1.2 million deal on December 30th, which is fantastic. And we're, uh, we're growing, buddy. So welcome back to the show. And the uh, listeners can certainly expect to hear you uh, many more shows to come because, well, we're good partners, man. We produce a good podcast together. I'm grateful to be here and uh, it's kind of nice to be back in the saddle, you know, so, um, but I, I'm excited to not necessarily relive all of our trauma, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I am excited for people to understand kind of how we got here. And, you know, maybe for the older listeners or maybe younger listeners that remember the Grateful Dead, you know, Jerry Garcia and that crew can't remember the name of the song, but there was a song that had a, a lyric in there. What a long, strange trip it's been. And, you know, sometimes the journey of entrepreneurship is nothing like what you think it is going to be like. I'm grateful for all of it and think that, you know, you'll gain some very, very good insights in listening to our story. So with your permission, I'm just going to start off and get right into it and go through a quick history of how we got started and all that. So yeah, um, one thing too, Shecky, before you dive into that, just yeah. to point out to the audience, everything that we're going to talk to you about, the foundation of all of our success and growth is that you and I have an amazing partnership. And one thing that Sean told me, who is my self-storage syndication partner, their company is hitting almost a billion dollars, if not by the time that this is released, probably a billion dollar company. And I asked him, how did you do that? Like what, what, what explains that level of success is just incredible to think about and comprehend, you know, being a part of a starting and growing a billion dollar operation. He said three words, find great partners. And I said, okay, well, I've got great partners and great partnerships. That's the foundation, just like a marriage, essentially a great marriage is a great partnership where two people come together with shared values, a shared vision for the future, a shared code of ethics and morality that they want to achieve a common goal together. And that's what you and I have done. I mean, it is like our business partnership has been like a marriage and we're still we still get along. We're like brothers. We solve, we've had conflict, but we always come together and figure out how to solve it together. And I just want to make sure everybody knows that that's the key uh, to the whole success of this operation. So Shecky, you're going to kind of share how the partnership formed and kind of the, the beginnings. Yeah. And thank you for saying that. Just to put an asterisk on what you said, you know, the other piece, aside from good partners, 
and this is probably a reflection of partners' attitudes and ethics, is there also has to be a certain amount of stick-to-itiveness. Because, you know, when you hear the story, you're going to see that there were probably three or four different junctures where we could have easily quit. And uh, where we should have, maybe we should have quit. <laughs> well, maybe we should have. I mean, I'm glad we didn't, obviously. I am too. But, but there were some dicey moments there, and we're going to get into it. But overall, it's made us so much stronger. It's made what we can go out and do in the marketplace for investors so much more effective just because of what we've been through. So, you know, there's a reason for that stuff. But anyway, going back in time, this is now going back to 2015. And in 2015, I was living in Austin and working with a buddy of mine that owned an online marketing agency. Really, really great guy. I was at the time kind of self-employed within that business because I was running his coaching and training program and teaching people how to do social media and online marketing to grow their businesses. Jack, you were one of those guys that came into one of the classes and then mm-hmm. took the upsell for the uh, individual coaching. And you and I had never met in person, but we had a relationship via phone and via Zoom. I was helping you with your other uh, nutritional company. Mm-hmm. And so the relationship developed there. And then I had one of my many surgeries, but I had a knee replacement and I was recuperating and I was kind of like not loving my life at the time. I, I mean, I was grateful for to be working in an environment where my buddy was, but I was getting to that point where there was very little joy left. in. I learned what I had to learn and I was looking for something else. So One day, I just started really reflecting on that, and I had a whiteboard in my little home office, and I just wrote a few things up on that whiteboard that said, what would I want in my next opportunity? Well, I want to go back to being self-employed. I want to sell a high-ticket item. I want to be the best in my space. And no, I don't really want to work alone anymore. I want to I want to work with a business partner. I want somebody that I can push and can push me and we can together grow and really uh, reap the benefits of having a, a good synergy. So fast forward a, a few weeks after that, I get a phone call from you that says, hey, Shecky, I got this business thing I want to talk about. I've been buying some Properties from a turnkey provider in Indianapolis. I've been making some recommendations to some of my other friends and business associates, and the returns are pretty decent. And, uh, you know, they're paying me some nice little marketing fees on the side to recommend people in. But I know your marketing acumen. I want to talk to you about that. Can we set up and book a call? And of course, you know, you were talking about favorites. You you were my favorite client at that point. And I was like, yeah, bro. I mean, you know, look, I'm, there's not there's no charge for the call. It's not, it's not one of those billable hours things. Let's just hop on the phone and brainstorm, which is one of my favorite things to do anyway. Some of the best marketing just comes out of brainstorming sessions where you just, you know, have a blank slate and off you go. So that call was just amazing. I mean, we were on the phone for like three hours and went through all these different ideas. And I remember pacing around my place and being kind of sweaty when I was done. And uh, <laughs> just as a courtesy, I basically typed up those 12 or 13 bullet points that had kind of come out of that conversation. And I emailed them to you just as a courtesy to say, like, here's what came out of this conversation. And I went into that without any expectation. I was just trying to provide value for you. 
And the very next day, I get an email back from you, four words. Okay, let's do it. You know, and I'm looking at that going, WTF, you know, let's do what? So I, I remember picking up the phone, calling you and you said, well, you know, I know you had expressed some interest in, you know, maybe moving on to the next opportunity. And, you know, you're the marketing guy and, you know, I'm the sales guy. And, you know, we could probably bolt on to what these people are doing in Indianapolis. And even though I wasn't, I was living in Austin, I wasn't anywhere near Indianapolis at the time, we could probably do some pretty good damage and really, I mean, damage in a good way. So I hung up the phone and I immediately turned my head around, looked at the whiteboard and saw the things that I had written down based on what you were proposing going into business with me. And I'm like, check, 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 check. I mean, it was pretty amazing, like just how perfectly the universe provided what I had written there. So that made the decision very, very easy. You know, it was time to go into business together. And very, very quickly, you know, we started marketing and selling some properties to investors. But unfortunately, what happened was the people that we had bolted onto were not, let's just say, the most ethical people in the world. And it put me in a situation where I had to move to Indianapolis to actually be the guy to put out fires. Jack, I'm going to let you tell that part of the story about that provider and what happened next. Yeah, well, just just backing up a little bit to kind of insert into the timeline of your whiteboard and your vision and then me pitching you. What led to me pitching you was a couple things I think are important for the audience to understand. You know, up until that point, like you said, I mean, I was selling properties. I was doing really well. I mean, I sold $5 million or referred $5 million in cash, you know, business, closed business to the turnkey provider. Most of that was done prior to meeting you. And what I realized is that people really want turnkey properties. They want to buy real estate and have access to this space without having to go in and figure out how to acquire and how to rehab and how to place tenants and do all of those things. I mean, I have a lot of people that knew, liked and trusted me that are professionals and they're busy and they don't have the expertise, they don't have the desire, they don't have the time, they don't have the energy, they don't have the will to go yeah. out and do all of those things. So I realized that when you sent me that list, which I think really, like you said, you gave value to me without any expectation. And when you do that, that creates trust. That creates where you're gonna say, man, like this person really, like they would be a great partner for me because they're willing to do this extra steps and they provide this extra value. And so the pitch to you was from me because I realized when I saw that list that you provided that the plan you came up with was amazing, but I didn't really have the bandwidth, nor did I have the skills and expertise to be able to implement it. So I thought to myself, well, if I'm going to scale this business up beyond people that I know, which is all I had done to that point and reach a whole new, much larger market that I'd rather have 50% of a big, big pie than a hundred percent of a small pie. And I realized that the two of us together, we could create using and leveraging off of each other's skills and resources and energy that, that we could create something much bigger together. God, thank God that I, I pitched you because <laughs> I know that, uh, if I had it, I would have been, I would have been out of the game after what you just described with the original turnkey provider we were working with you know when his ethics and everything really came to light i would have just i would have quit right then i, I would have been out but 
because you and I were in it together, we just kept charging forward. We just said we had this vision that we were going to create together. So one thing I think is important to explain, when I pitched you on being a partner, you told me, and I remember this, you said, I've had lots of pitches before, but you were one of the first ones that really framed it in, this is going to be good for me. This is going to be a 50-50 partnership, whereas I think most people were pitching you and you felt like you're just kind of a pawn in their game. It really wasn't a partnership. It was more just kind of using you per se. Any Look, to be to be truthful too, and I'm not really necessarily saying it to butter you up, but making the choice to be your partner was also so much easier than choosing any of the other opportunities that were coming my way, right? Because you and I already had a working relationship and it was very, you know, like I'm a pretty spiritual guy, right? I go a lot off of energy Hmm. and I knew that you were a man of your word. I knew that if I gave you a homework assignment, you would go out and do it. You know, like you're, you're not a wussy. You know, like you're going to, you're going to get shit done. Yeah. And I just felt a certain alignment with you in terms of values and work ethic and things like that. So no, we didn't know each other very well. Um, In fact, we had never met in person when we made that decision to become partners, but it's okay. There was enough good foundation there that it obviously worked. So if you want, for those of you that are listening, you want to attract good quality team members. Maybe it's not, maybe it's not a partnership like what we have, but you're trying to attract team members to your, you know, direct sales business. You want to attract good quality employees to your team. Here's what's really important that you guys understand. And I think what Shecky is essentially saying is that on a scale of one to 10, as far as keeping my word and how I show up and leadership and all of that, I mean, I was like an eight or a nine. And whereas Shecky, he was the same. So if you want to attract great quality people, you've got to become better yourself. How you show up determines who you're going to attract, because you're not going to attract people. Let's say if you're a five or a six, you're you're not going to get nines. They're not going to want to work with you. I thought so, we were both tens. Well, that would, yeah, <laughs> based on the mistakes that we've made, I, I would yeah. say we're not tens. <laughs> I think at, back then we were probably both sevens. But okay, we've, yeah, we've that's, some since then. All right, so we were marketing guys. That's what we came in to do. What turned out had happened, and I I think I've explained this before, so I'm not really going to go into the weeds, but the turnkey provider that we were utilizing, he was doing the acquisitions of the properties. He was doing the rehabs or not doing rehabs, which we thought he was doing, but and he was paid to do them, but he actually didn't do them. He just put carpet, paint, and lipstick on a pig, per se, and ignored all the really expensive things of a rehab, like the electrical plumbing infrastructure. Those are the things that really matter. Paint, carpet, flooring, (laughs) all of that doesn't really make any difference if the interior underlying structures are not functional. So he was providing all of that. So all that we had to do was essentially sell and market, which is what you and I love to do, work with clients, onboard customers, all of that. So we were cranking away and then pretty shortly in, I mean, we were probably not even a year into our partnership and we were both becoming really uncomfortable with the disorganization and some of the ethical things that we were seeing. So we had to cut ties with him and his company 
and go out now if we wanted to keep our company going we had to go in and do acquisitions and figure out how to do rehabs and we didn't know how to do them so um, we stumbled on that quite a bit and uh, definitely made some mistakes in terms of people that we hired to do those a lot of the contractors that we used screwed us over so we had even more challenges as we continued to to evolve and then on top of that you know we were largely in c-class property and we thought that the cash flow was really great because well our original provider was paying out rents every month on time in full and it turns out that c-class tenant base just they do not function that way they do not pay on time they do not pay in full and so we were kind of faked out thinking that c-class property was actually better than it was shecky i mean you can kind of continue the story from there but what happened next <laughs> well yeah it's it's the classic situation of if things look really good on paper but once things started playing out and there was a little bit of time behind some of those properties everything started deteriorating and I, that provider was doing some really really shady stuff you know taking money from one property that was supposed to be a rehab and paying rents. It was like almost like a Ponzi scheme. It was yeah. just, it was awful. And so needless to say, we had quite a few investors, including ourselves that were, I'll just say it straight, affected negatively. <laughs> I could use a lot worse language, but affected negatively. You know, from a legal standpoint, we weren't really the seller. We were the recommender. So we didn't really have any kind of legal obligation to help these investors, but you know, they were all screaming, not all, but you know, many of them that were having a bad time. So we, from an ethical standpoint, this goes back to what you're saying just about partners and shared values is like, hey man, we got to fix this. We were the ones that got these investors into it. So we're going to go ahead and help them get out of it, whatever it is. Some in some cases it was helping them sell off properties. In other cases it was throwing money at some of their properties to help them get rehabbed correctly. You know, a, a number of different strategies, but that really took three years to get all that stuff straight. Mm. I mean, three years of imagine waking up every day to headaches and not seeing profits because all the profits are going out to basically taking care of previous investors. And so it was, you know, needless to say, a very challenging time for us. And then we finally started really getting our shit together and got some stuff cleaned up and started getting better crews and better management and all that kind of stuff. And I think it was January, February of 2020 that we ended up having a really great record month. I mean, you know, we had a bunch of properties that we had, you know, gotten to be finished up and tenanted and there was a whole bunch of sales and we were like, wow, this is great. Like, this is the way it's supposed to be. Like, I was just <laughs> so, so jazzed that we had made it through just an incredibly dark period. Well, dark. Yeah, think about it. Like, as a brand new company, I mean, we were yeah. only 12 months in together and we're having to figure out how to not just, like, survive, but Right. So we're trying to thrive, but we yeah. couldn't thrive. We had to just survive. So 2016 to 2017 was the start. Yeah. 2017 through 2020 is fixing stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. And then we go to early 2020, we have a record month. And then the very next thing, COVID hits. And we all know what happened there. 
And it was basically, you know, the world just stopped for a few months. And, it, you know, it really doesn't matter what side you are on the political argument or any of that stuff. I'm not going to get into that. But we all felt it and we all felt the world stopped. And so at least in terms of our sales, it was like somebody had just shut off the tap. And at that time, I was scheduled for yet another surgery, <laughs> had a back surgery. And, you know, right in the middle of COVID, I'm going into the hospital and trying to recoup from that. And Jack, you and I had a pretty uh, detailed conversation about like, hey, you know, we really are, we're going to have to reinvent ourselves and we're going to have to learn how to do things better. And we're going to have to learn how to create more offerings. And thankfully at the time, we were already doing business with Tyler, who's our now our other partner. Tyler is an amazing guy and he's like just one of these people that can look at a spreadsheet and see nine layers deep relationships of numbers, like far beyond any kind of level of comprehension that I will ever have. But he's also been involved in other businesses that support the investor's journey. Um, you know, in, in investors that buy real estate obviously need other things, right? They need lending. They need, you know, good financing. They mostly what they need is they need tax strategies. And so we embarked on a journey with Tyler to say, how can we then go out and create a far better experience for investors? How can we create a far more effective experience for investors? So it kind of goes back to the same thing what we were saying about the podcast earlier and not necessarily farming stuff out to all these so-called experts, but how can we then control the ecosystem for the investor such that we know they're going to end up getting the right kind of expertise at the right time? So with that in mind, we went out and developed a property management team that we also have some equity in. We also went out and last year purchased a CPA business that a guy that was retiring here in Nashville and really transformed that company into a tax strategy company. Sure, there's still a lot of customers that come into that business and we do returns for them and things like that, but there's such a beautiful natural marriage between those three things, between property management, providing properties, providing tax strategies. And the other thing we did was we had a lot of relationships within the turnkey world and we started reaching out and researching who could potentially be sister companies to us, just be able to provide more inventory to our investor base so that we weren't constantly running out of things to sell because the, the demand was increasing as well, especially as word started getting out about said ecosystem. In any case, that's been really, it's been tough, you know, and, and so it's just been a whole crap ton of extra work. And one thing I didn't mention too, that was probably the hardest thing in all that to develop, which I didn't mention, and I am just remembering to mention it now, is construction and rehab. Like that's a, such a huge portion of the experience of being able to 
make a property great and to create forced equity and to maybe move some walls and do things in such a way that can actually make more revenue, that it can actually be worth more so that once the rehab is over and you refinance out, you can pull most or all of your cash out. So there's so many things. So we've developed whole construction teams and uh, it's been <laughs> in one way awful, right? Like it's just been horrific going through this experience. And at the same time, it's been absolutely fantastic. It's been fantastic because in each one of those components, we have just learned so much. We have just gained so much more understanding of what's really meaningful within the world of real estate investing and the related components thereof. So getting to this point is really to a certain extent, it inspired us to, you know, get back on a podcast together and really talk about this journey that we've been on. So yeah. one thing too, on the timeline that you're talking about, you know, when everything kind of just shut down for, I'd say a good three or four months, I mean, the, the everything kind of just froze in March of 2020. Mm -hmm. And then the government steps in and prints, you know, trillions of dollars of money. I mean, that was the most money supply that had ever been injected in the shortest period of time. So what probably would have normally been uh, a market dip turned into, which we were expecting, turned into this ferocious you know, increase in in values across, I mean, all properties across the US, including Indianapolis. So we didn't do a lot of acquisitions. Like we weren't buying much because a lot of stuff just didn't make sense from a cash flow perspective. And that's, you know, one of our pillars that we offer investors is a good, strong, positive cash flow, hence high return real estate. So now what we're seeing and why we're excited about the what the Fed's doing, raising interest rates, slowing down the housing market, although, as you pointed out <laughs> before we jumped on the podcast, the market has not crashed by any means. I mean, it has dipped some, but what we're finding is sellers are more willing to negotiate. Properties are staying on market longer. So they're not getting 10, 12, 15 offers within the first three days over asking price. We're able to get deals. And for investors, this is a fantastic time to be buying because you're not competing with other investors. Really, you really have been competing the last two years with other homeowner buyers, people that are retail buyers. Well, now that they're not buying nearly as much as they were, that's providing a great entry point right now for investors. And Checky, you know, the, the Fed just yesterday slowed their interest rate hike to 25 basis points, which is a 0.25 um, increase. I think that, you know, the signs are there that they are slowing down and they're a pause. And then a pivot is probably sometime this year. So I think for those that really want to get in on, on a dip in buying opportunity, I think we're at that point right now. Like this is the time. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. When we look at our offerings now versus what we had then, I mean, essentially we have, at least just in terms of product and real estate product, we have really three things now that we offer instead of just one. So number one is obviously we still have turnkey properties available for investors that just want to be a little bit more 
passive, you know, maybe they're busy, they've got day jobs, businesses, families, whatever, and they don't want to be that active of an investor, but they still want some of the tax breaks and some of the appreciation of owning just a solid rental property in a good market. That's a given. Um, the other thing that we developed as a result of gaining a far better understanding of tax laws is in some cases with more advanced investors, we've developed a product called AIM, which is just stands for the Advanced Investor Model. And that really allows them to get into a property that may or may not be cash flowing, still in, you know, in decent shape, could be rented right now, but there's lots of future opportunity for that property, meaning it's probably got room to add an extra better bath without having to do an addition. It's also on a lot that legally could stand what's called an ADU, an additional dwelling unit. Sometimes that's called dadus in other states. But that is an opportunity to build on a property that you already own and not necessarily having to go out and find that. And when you start getting into a little bit more income and you're a person that's, say, paying six figures or so in taxes to the IRS, this can be a massive play for you massive. Because depending on the kind of way that the tax firm can do your strategy and structure the paperwork and use the existing laws, any of those rehabs, a large chunk of that could be paid in money that you would have otherwise given to the IRS in that year. So that's freaking huge. We've seen just incredible success with that. And then the other thing that very excited about, and you know, we've got our first email actually going out tonight for just something that's been on my wish list for about five years, which is being able to offer new build properties that were built specifically to be rental properties. So meaning they don't have a lot of carpet and I'm like, I think the only place they've got carpet is in the master bedroom, but they've got, you know, like granite countertops. So they're pretty much indestructible. They've got attached garages. They've got the additional bathrooms. They got the, you know, the double vanity in the master, but they've got the, you know, the, the hard surfaces everywhere, the LVT flooring. They're, look, there's nothing that's indestructible, let's face it, but these are made to take a beating. And of course, brand new, they come with some additional warranties and things like that. So going back to what you said earlier about C-Class, to an extent, the stuff we're doing now is in a way the opposite of C-Class. I wouldn't say they're A because we're not going out and looking for super expensive luxury properties. We're looking for just good solid B-Class but these are properties that when you look at them on paper, no, they're not going to be this, you know, off the chain cap rate. Cap rate for the listener is the essentially the the percentage return on investment. So buy a hundred thousand dollar property and you get ten thousand in net cash flow for the year, that's a 10 cap. Right. Thank you. In terms of returns, they're not what you would call, I wouldn't call them super stellar. But they're just these solid, to use a baseball analogy, and we've talked about this a number of times, they're just that solid base hit over and over and over and over. Over long term, they tend to appreciate. The tenants obviously are you know, helping pay your note down when you're financing them, even with some of the higher interest rates that we have now. So you know, people get scared off because of these high interest rates. And I just look at it and go, let's look at the deal. How much money do you have to put in versus what kind of return you're going to get back, even if it's 
400% interest rate. If it makes you money, then why are you not looking at it? So, um, and one of the things, Shecky, that we're doing to improve the cash flow is going into the midterm rental, and in some cases, a short term rental. The midterm rental is where you're getting, you know, 90 days to six month contracts with, say, corporate clients like traveling nurses are a big one that we're renting to right now. Yeah. Really, really great because. Now, in those cases, you know, you have to furnish the property, but you get a much higher, you know, rent typically, not, not always, but typically you're getting a much higher rent. So we're finding that that gives a little bit more stability, kind of like a long-term tenant. It's right in the sweet spot where you're maximizing cash flow and you're also creating, um, you know, more stability. So we've been venturing into that. And then, like I said, um, in some cases where property really makes sense, a lot of the larger properties with a lot, you know, they have higher square footage, higher bed and bath counts. Those seem to be the ones that really appeal to short-term rentals and to really maximize the rents that way. And then there's other cases too, Shecky, where long-term tenant uh, will pay as much as a midterm tenant. So we'll just get a 12-month contract and a lease and and we'll just put them in and they'll say, we don't even want the furniture in. So we take the furniture out and put it in another property. So yeah, it's, it's funny. It, it has happened. I mean, the, the, yeah. the interesting thing is we come on here boasting about how much we know and then we go out there in the marketplace and we're, we're still always surprised by some mm. of the things that happen. Yep. And that's okay. You know, it's fine uh, because we're able to pivot. So in, in regards to what you're saying about MTR, you know, medium term rentals, I like them, but I, I just want to also put a disclaimer on there that that's typically going to be for a more advanced investor that, you know, wants to be able to, that needs the write off because you want to be able to write off the furniture. And obviously you're not getting a solid 12 months worth of rent. So you are increasing the volatility of that for the sake of hopefully getting better returns. We have some properties that we started as MTRs and we just like it was okay, but it wasn't okay enough for us not to be attracted back to going to typical LTR unfurnished where you just sign a one-year lease and they just pay you every month. So, you know, again, any smart investor is obviously going to have a balanced approach to things. Uh, I would not recommend MTR for a brand new investor. I'd say it's always best to start off with two, three, four turnkeys, really, you know, kind of gain an understanding of what you're doing and then move up the ladder from there, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, and lastly, the only thing that I want to say, which I had kind of touched on before is that from the experience and this long, strange trip that we've been on and continue to be on this journey, it's becoming more and more clear to me that the most important thing we do is tax strategy, because that seems to be what moves the needle the most, uh, especially for someone that's got any kind of decent income. Well, what do I mean by decent income? Maybe you know, two hundred, two fifty a year or more. Like if you're if you're a person listening to this and you're paying say fifty k or more in taxes to the IRS there's probably a lot we can do for you with a tax strategy. So if that's something you're interested in, you know, reach out to us. We can certainly talk about it more. But we are working with people that are paying seven figures or were paying seven figures to the IRS every year. And seeing how much we can move the needle is just absolutely 
mind blowing. Even people at that level don't really understand all the, you know, how to leverage all the different laws and the timing and the bookkeeping and, you know, the way to do things correctly. So thankfully, we've got just an incredible team that can really guide people through that process. So Anyway. Let's yeah, before we go, let's explain the different buckets or ways that we can help investors now. So, for example, before like you said in our early stages, we would buy a property and then we would fix it up with our own money and then it'd be uh rented and then leased up and performing and then we would sell that as a turnkey cash flowing property. And we still can do that and we have providers in our network uh, in multiple markets throughout the Midwest that are great cash flowing markets. But now with our aim strategy, it's a different way of doing it. So now we'll get a property under contract and it has to go through a huge set of criteria before we will acquire it. So we have a team, multiple people on the team right now. We have nine total on the team, I think I counted, which is incredible, Shecky, that you know we've grown it to that after just you and I for a while. So they're going to go through due due diligence. We'll get the property under contract at a great price, and then we'll assign the property to an investor. So you guys will then you'll purchase the property yourself. And then in addition to that, we have already got a scope of work and we know exactly what it's going to cost to fix the property up. So we will get the contractors all in place through our these are trusted contractors that we've worked with for many of them a long time and they're going to go in on your behalf and take care of all the construction work now the important part for what shecky's put a bow on what shecky's saying if you're funding the construction yourself separately from the purchase price that's going to give you a monster tax deduction so that's an important piece to the whole process of what we're doing now, on top of that, we're going to be able to set you up with a great property management company that we trust, and uh, we know that it's run well. And then we're going to be able to provide furniture if you decide, you know, uh, midterm or short-term rental is the way that you want to go. And then Shecky, on top of that, we've got the tax firm to provide all the guidance on maximizing your tax advantages. So it really is a complete system of taking you right from the beginning taking all of the risk. I shouldn't say all of the risk. There's always risk in property. There's always things that are going to go wrong. We're taking away the major risk points of buying property, including paying too much for a property that needs a lot more work than you thought, uh, getting screwed over by contractors, hiring the terrible property management firms that we've like we've worked with in the past and had to sort through in order to get to where we're at and then on top of that being able to get furniture good quality furniture that looks nice to stack up in your rental we're handling all of that on your behalf so it allows you to get really incredible exposure get into the real estate game but you don't have to go out and put all the the hustle in analyzing deals and trying to find construction teams and getting quotes, all of that garbage that is too distracting for most entrepreneurs and busy professionals. We've eliminated that so that you can stay in your zone of genius and you let our team handle what we're good at. I am so excited about what's next for us and other things that are coming down the pipe. So needless to say, the value of being in this space for us and having the longevity that we've had now is the relationships that we've been able to build along the way. And a couple of them are in the syndicated space, 
uh, one of your buddies that you had mentioned, where there are other, you know, real estate related offerings. And this is typically just for accredited investors. But again, there's certainly with the systems that we have in place, we can take people that are non-accredited and show them very quickly if they've got any kind of income at all and any kind of tax base at all, how to move in a direction where they can become accredited and take advantages of some of the syndicated deals that we have available that come up. They don't, they're not available all the time, but they come up from time to time. They're not anything that we wouldn't invest in ourselves that we haven't tested and make sure that those relationships are solid and strong and that the returns are fantastic. So we have that stuff coming up. And uh, what, what I also see in the future is also other business opportunities, maybe in the network marketing space, maybe in the franchise space. There, there's When someone really becomes a lifelong entrepreneur, it really never ends. And that doesn't mean that everybody listening to this podcast wants to be a lifelong entrepreneur. Some are professionals and they do what they do and they're great and they stay in their lane and that's fantastic. And there's some great resources for you if you're that kind of person. But if you're wanting to leverage away from a scenario like that or you're already an entrepreneur, man, we've got a conveyor belt built for you that will knock your socks off. So I'm I'm just incredibly excited about it. And, you know, notwithstanding what everybody says about the world going to shit, Man, I see just a lot of incredible opportunity and I'm very excited about it. Yeah, we will have absolutely more information, podcasts to come about the syndicated offers and opportunities. Very, very excited about the upcoming opportunity that yet to be named, but when we throw it out there, trust us, it's going to be really strong. And I just want to close with this, Shecky, because I have a lot of entrepreneurs that are listening. A lot of them know that I have a very successful marketing company, I had that for 25 years. And there's probably this, maybe this allure or temptation to be like, oh yeah, I, I want to start something else. I want to do another business. And I just really want to caution all of you on that, on that mode of thinking. I was heavily 100% all in focused for 15 straight years on the marketing business before, you know, you and I partnered up and we went after building this company out. And I never even intended to build another company. It just kind of happened when the opportunity just kind of struck me and it was right there and it, it was too good. But you've got to stay focused on your business. If you try to start something up else up too early, you're only going to really hurt and you're going to suffer on that other business. And as you just heard, I think one of the main points you can pretty much come to grips with is what we've talked about. Building a business is not easy. And just because you've had success in another business does not mean that you're not going to have struggles and major challenges in another. The grass is not greener on the other side of the fence in most cases. So I just have to tell you that because I know that how a lot of you are thinking as entrepreneurs, you're like, oh, I can go do another thing too. And in all reality, it's extremely difficult and it can be very costly to do that. So be careful. Jack, I, I'm grateful. This has been a great episode, a great chat. And um, I look forward to many more years of our partnership and all kinds of doing fun deals and bigger deals and better deals and meeting more investors and more movers and shakers. And it just, it just keeps on getting better. That's right. Here we go, man. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Have a great day. That's a wrap for this episode on the Indestructible Wealth Podcast. If you'd like to dive deeper into your own wealth building strategy, 
Check us out at myindestructiblewealth.com and follow along on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and yes, even TikTok. Send me your questions and your financial challenges, and I promise I'll respond. Also, I'll think you're really awesome if you'll share and leave me a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast. Until next time, remember our mission here is to help you make, keep, and grow wealth you can enjoy now and for years to come.